EOSBC is a program uh, that's going to deploy $1 billion of capital into EOS projects over the course of the next couple of years. We're now making a formal commitment uh, to put the majority of the capital that's come in through the uh, token sale back into the innovators. One of the biggest problems with this space today is that most of the token generation processes are actually destroying resources. So we take a look at Bitcoin and Ethereum, we're paying tens of billions of dollars a year right, to process very few transactions. In fact, in Bitcoin, we're paying hundreds of dollars of transaction per transaction before transaction fees through the network inflation. Through the token sale over the last year, Block One has been able to take in those resources, and now we're going to be deploying them back into the entrepreneurs. This is going to stimulate more innovation, right? One of the goals of their token sale was to create a fair, transparent uh, distribution process, but one of our major goals was also to do something that was not so destructive from a resource perspective, something that allowed us to keep that value and redeploy it back into the ecosystem. So I want to introduce the structure that we're going to be using to do this. Uh, we, didn't, we, we sat down and we said, if we're going to deploy a billion dollars into EOS.io projects, what's the best way to do so, right? How are we going to foster the most innovation? How are we going to help those projects succeed? And this is the structure that we, we have put forth. EOS is, our block one is going to be working with VC partners in order to deploy this capital. So it's going to be investing in different market-leading venture capital units throughout the world, right? Um, and in addition to Block One's capital, we're going to be bringing capital in from those partners. So it's going to leverage up those resources and then drive it back into the tail end of innovation. It's going to give us global access to projects. These VCs are already seeing the deals. They're already working with a lot of projects. And they're in an incredible space to educate the projects about EOS capabilities, right? We're firm believers that this technology is the only technology that's going to actually allow the blockchain to scale. It's the first technology that's going to allow us to launch projects like Steemit, like BitShares, the next Facebook, the next Uber, distributed communities that are ready to disrupt the Fortune 500s. A lot of the talk over the last couple of years has been about Bitcoin, has been about uh, money, digital currency, but I think that in 2018 and into 2019, the conversation is going to just shift to DACs or distributed autonomous collectives or communities, as we talked about earlier. The partner VCs will be further putting capital into these vehicles. So we're actually going to be putting a, a lot more than a billion dollars of capital into EOS.io innovation. Um, and we think that the combination of the partnerships and the combination of, of all this capital coming together that we've been able to preserve through the token sale is really going, to really going to drive a level of innovation that we haven't yet seen. Welcome back to Everything EOS, the longest running EOS podcast. I'm here once again with my co-host from the writer team, Chaney Moore. You guys all know him, the famous Stash, but he's missing the Stash today. But I'm here with uh, two guests. This is a long time coming. I'm really excited to have this interview. Uh, the two managing partners, two of the managing partners of Galaxy Interactive. We all know them in the EOS uh, community as EOS VC partners, Sam Engelbart and Richard Kim. Welcome to Everything EOS. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks, Zach. We're, uh, we're happy to be here and Cheney. We're glad, we're, glad we're doing this finally. Yeah, we appreciate it. Uh, for those of our community that may not be totally uh, up to speed on what Galaxy Interactive is, can you please just briefly introduce yourself and, and explain a little bit? 
Sure. So Galaxy Interactive is a is a division, a business unit of Galaxy Digital, which is a crypto and blockchain focused merchant bank that Mike Novogratz and I and a couple other partners founded in 2018. Um, we, we about a, a year after that, Richard, who originally joined Galaxy Digital as our uh, as our COO, uh, and I, after spending a lot of time together in the first six months or so that he was. Uh, that, that he had moved from London to, to work with us in Galaxy Digital, um, we really realized that we loved working together, that we had a real vision around the opportunity for interactive content and technology. That's video games, content studios, interactive content studios a little more broadly than just video games, interactive social platforms, uh, and the infrastructure technology that is powering all of this interactivity that we're talking about, of which blockchain is, is absolutely one of those critical technologies. So Richard and I spent a lot of time talking about the opportunity in that space and, and where we thought uh, blockchain tech sat in the interactive landscape, what we thought the macros are on interactive that I'm sure we're going we're gonna to get into a bit on this call, and, um, and, and, and ultimately created a business inside of Galaxy Digital called Galaxy Interactive. And, and we are a, a sector-focused, thematic sector-focused uh, in investment business, we're investing only in and exclusively in and under the umbrella of interactive content and technology. So what there, there was some confusion between Shane and I as we were preparing for this interview, um, because you, you guys are un, under the umbrella of Galaxy Interactive, but we've always known this fund as EOS VC. What, it, what exactly is yeah. the difference there and how do they relate to each other? Yeah, so the best way I would explain it is Galaxy Interactive is a division of Galaxy Digital. It's Richard and I and a team of people. Um, we are investing from the Galaxy EOS VC fund, which is a fund, as you guys know, that uh, it's it's a it's structured as a traditional GPLP fund. The GP of that fund is Galaxy Digital, uh, and uh, the LPs in that fund are Galaxy Digital as well, because we're an LP and an investor in the fund, uh, and Block One, and and Block One. Um, and Galaxy Digital when we launched the Galaxy EOS VC fund, and that is the technical name of the entity from which uh, we've been investing for the last couple of years. Um, that was a fund that was launched um, for the purpose of somewhat broadly stating, but helping to develop the EOS IO software ecosystem. Uh, and so we called it um, from the beginning and still refer to it as, as, a, uh, as an ecosystem fund of sorts. Um, where where with a, you know we have a strategic mandate in partnership with Block One to help further the the, the EOS IO ecosystem. And over time, part of the way that we realized we were best uh, positioned to do that was to really narrow our focus in terms of what types of companies we were going to invest in on the, at the application layer and what what's the mission of the companies we're investing in. And 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 that was where sort of our decision became you know rather than just being a team that is a generalist venture fund looking to invest in anything and everything, let's really apply where we have particular expertise around interactive content and technology. And that's going to be not only the best thing we can do as an investment firm and the best investment business we can build, but also where we believe we can long-term add the, add the most value to EOSIO. And hence the name interactive. I, I, I like exactly. that. So just curious, you mentioned that uh, it's it's two partners. It's the LP, it's the it's the Galaxy Digital LP and the Block One LP. Is that a 50-50 or can you tell, you know, what, what the what the funding mechanism? We know it's 325. Uh, I had previously assumed that all $325 million came directly from Block One. It sounds no. like that maybe that's not the case. No, that's not that's not the case. Um, Block One is a larger LP than uh, than Galaxy Digital. 
Um, I don't know if I'm actually at liberty to discuss the exact balance, but uh, okay. but but Galaxy Digital is a substantial LP in the fund, is, is what I would say. Okay, we can we can follow up and we yeah. get clarity later if it's if it's allowed. Yeah. So you you mentioned uh, what what you're looking for in uh, in our interactive space, and you actually have it broken out into seven different sectors in your slide deck, which is interesting about how you identify. The, the different markets or the different key characteristics that you're looking for. And we can talk about that in a minute. But what are you looking for in, let's say, a specific project? How do you go out and identify a, a project yeah. and say that's something we want to be be involved in as a project, not just because they're in the sector, not just because they're in the space or they're in gaming or they're in, in VR, but yeah. you say, man, these guys know what they're doing because X, Y, and Z. Yeah, I mean, we are in a lot of ways. First and foremost, we're we're pretty traditional with respect to sort of venture investing best practices, and we focus on on the obvious things: the 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 business idea, the team, the addressable market, um, the technology solution to the extent that they're building a technology company, uh, the pro, you know the problem they're trying to solve. In, in the simplest way, to put it's like what's the problem you're trying to solve, and are you the team? that is capable of solving it? And do you have a solution that we believe is interesting that will result in, in, you know, in a business on the other end of this that's big enough and exciting enough um, to generate uh, a return on the capital we're investing? It's kind of, I mean, I hate to state the obvious on that, but <laughs> but that that's like the fundamental idea of where we start. And then from there, I would say like, it, you know, I, I think different investors have different, prioritized different pieces of, of that, that I, of what I just mentioned. I mean, for us, we are uh, so fundamentally team driven, I would say, above almost everything else, particularly because we are early stage investors. And, and in the early days of any company, what you have more than anything else, uh, you know, it, it is, a, is a partnership with the people that are setting out uh, to, to build this thing that you're talking about. And it's a long partnership and you better be ready to be in business with people that, that you know, have the, the talent and the ability uh, and the personality to take it across the line. I like how you use the term partnership for your investment uh, projects. What are your interactions like after the investment round? Typically, us in the community, we see the CoinDesk article announcing uh, Galaxy Digital or Galaxy EOS VC or Galaxy Interactive leading an investment round into some gaming project typically. But then it's kind of so it's an early stage project. They don't necessarily even have a community or need a community that yet. So it's kind yeah. of darkness from there. What's the process like? What's the partnership like for you guys and in, in the projects after the investments are made? Yeah, I mean, we always say um, no, no venture investor should assume uh, that that, you know, his or her ongoing participation in the operations of the portfolio company are going to be determinative with respect to the success of that company. Um, it's one of my guiding principles as a venture investor. It has been forever. It's something that Richard and I uh, try every day to drill into our team and to make sure we all understand and, and are sober about the, the realities of our ability as venture investors to, to, to determine success. That being said, um, you know one of the benefits of building a strategically and thematically aligned portfolio is we do believe that we can create value uh, over the over the life of the fund and over the life of the businesses in the fund by uh, facilitating interactions amongst and between those portfolio companies bringing them together helping them to see like what what parts of the problem you know are the various companies trying to solve because in many respects when you're dealing with a 
with with a with a fund focused like we are in one sector. Um, in some cases, you got two different studios and they're building different uh, you know games, and they might have nothing to do with each other. But in a lot of instances, and particularly when we're imagining that uh, part of of what some or all of these companies are doing are building technology innovation around gaming and interactive content and tech, there's going to be a lot of opportunity for overlap and for one company to build you know a piece of technology or a solution or something that everybody else or a substantial number of the other companies in the portfolio can use. And so we're, we're, we view our role more than anything else. We don't get into the weeds of the day-to-day -day operations of our businesses. We have 50 companies in the portfolio. We do very much make sure that all the companies, that we know what all the companies are doing at a high level, what they're, you know, what, what's, the hurdles they're running into, what they need, what, where we could help them strategically that way. And we try to keep people connected and, and aligned. Do you have any examples that you're able to share of something that maybe was built by one of your teams and you thought uh, it was useful for other teams to, to share as far as technology? Yeah, I mean, we have a, a, a great example. I was just in an event last night for CES, um, uh, which is the Consumer Electronics Show, and uh, they do an annual event every year in partnership with iHeart. Uh, and one of our portfolio companies called Vatom, uh, which has integrated um, the the positional spatial audio technology from High Fidelity, uh, which is Philip Rosedale's uh, kind of immersive social world project. Uh, so, so Vatim took its digital object platform, integrated with High Fidelity's audio product, and created something called Spatial Web, and hosted 750 CEOs uh, and entrepreneurs and and artists. Ryan Seacrest, um, you know, presented the event. Uh, it, it, you know, it, it was it was an uh, it was an amazing display of an integration amongst two of our portfolio companies creating technology that that uh, that was beneficial to to everybody. So, as part of that ongoing interaction, you say you keep a, a high level uh, review of those, and part of the reason we're having this conversation is because yeah. of, of some uh, interesting uh, interactions on on Twitter. There are some that that were identified as maybe not meeting. Uh, you know, you talked about the EOSIO uh, VC uh, high level uh, mission statement and, yep. and to invest in. And we, we were talking about uh, some that we, we thought weren't quite meeting that. So what happens, for example, let's say Plan. Can you tell us what Plan was originally supposed to be, what it ended up being, and how did you manage those issues? Yeah. Um, so let's be sure everybody understands like what our mandate is mm -hmm. as as Galaxy, um, because I think this is where some of the confusion lies. Um, so every company that we've invested in and every company that 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 we invest in from the Galaxy EOS VC fund uh, contractually commits to use commercially reasonable efforts to either build uh and integrate EOS IO software or partner strategically with a company that has in some way uh, integrated or is using EOS IO software. So I think that's where sometimes I look at the comments in the community and I, and I, and I feel like um, the community is saying, well, you know, what is this company doing with respect to EOS tokens or how is this, uh, how is this, in, you know, uh, touching the EOS blockchain and so on. Um, and so the first point of clarification is the companies in our portfolio, actually, you know, we, we, some of them may end up um, doing something that benefits the EOS mainnet, but they're not contractually obligated to do that. And, and, and they're really just 
obligated to attempt. And, and it's, a, it's a high standard. It's a reasonableness standard, but it's commercially reasonable attempt to, to, to build with EOSIO software. So in the case, I mean, Loopland, it's, it's funny that the community like signals out that project. <laughs> Just so we all know what, what like that was a $250,000 investment out of a $325 million <laughs> fund. Um, and, and in fact, the funny thing about it is like when that was pitched to us, they had done more than maybe other than Everpedia, um, Loopland had done and, and still has done more with respect to actual, you know, EOSIO software than most of the companies out there. It, it, you know, they actually, at the time they pitched and a lot of the companies we invest in at the time they're pitching, they haven't built anything on blockchain yet. And we can come back to that later in terms of what, you know, what, why we think that that's still an important way to build out an ecosystem. But in the case of Loopland, they were what they, they are one of the more, um, you know, EOS IO conforming companies in the portfolio. Uh, but the reality is they or they're a startup that um, the, the technology solution they were providing when they pitched the business was a blockchain based um, ticketing platform, basically like a room room night, uh, you know, hotel room registration and uh, and, and ticketing platform. Um, so in in, in and what we invested in was a hold co that had the rights to all of that technology IP, uh, the rights to a brand called Loopland, and the rights to a large real estate development uh, project in Puerto Rico. Um, their plan was to, in, in no particular order at the time we invested, but to build out the ticketing sort of room night plant, you know, tokenized room night platform, and also um, dog food it with their own real estate development. The real estate development, in, given where blockchain and, and where the EOS uh, community is today, and really just blockchain in general, this was this was back, I think, at a time when everybody was a little more optimistic that some of the you know some of the, the tokenization of a lot of things was going to happen in a different order. Um, the the real estate development project is happening faster than the than the need for a tokenized. Uh, room night platform. And so they're developing now. And what you see in the press now is a lot about the real estate development project. Um, but our investment sits in a hold co that owns the technology that they built on tokenization of room nights, as well as the real estate. Whether the tokenization of room nights ever becomes a thing that is going to be important or matter uh, to, to the success or failure of, uh, of their real estate development project, I would say it probably will not matter. Like the, and, and it shouldn't matter. The, the, the real estate should be uh, ultimately we hope that it will be a project that uh, that works as a as a piece of real estate. And uh, and we also hope that they continue to build. And, and ultimately, there's a market for uh, for the idea of a tokenized room night. I think it's an interesting way to create liquidity and, and, and cash flow for hotels that are going to have this, you know, an ongoing problem, particularly post COVID. But I have no idea whether that will amount to a business that works or not. Sure. And I don't expect to. And, and we appreciate that clarity because yeah. there, yeah. there never was any uh, public statement about what was invested in. We see we see Loopland and we see, uh, uh, like you said, a Coindesk article. And then there's a link to their website. And on their website are press releases about building real estate. So there's yeah. there's definitely a disconnect between the community. But I will, will make one point. Uh, you talked about the community's expectations. And Galaxy Digital and Block One really did a poor job of setting those expectations with the grand grandiose launch of the Everpedia announcement and the fact that everybody that owned EOS 
token at uh, at the launch of the Genesis block would receive 30 tokens uh, in in Everpedia IQ tokens. So don't don't necessarily blame the community about about expectations that were set very early on the very first investment by Galaxy Digital and Block One in the EOS VC. Another special guest, and I'd like to welcome the Everpedia team. Hey everyone, uh, we're the Everpedia team, and we're really excited to make a special announcement today at the Seoul EOS meetup. And as you guys know, we're uh, the first decentralized encyclopedia on the blockchain, and we're building it completely on EOS technology. And a lot of people have been asking us, how can we get the IQ token? And when the ICO is, and when the token sale is. And we're really, really proud to announce today that in fact, there is no ICO, and there is no token sale, and what we're doing for the very first time is airdropping IQ tokens to the EOS distribution list instead. And we're really, really excited to do this and set this precedent and give value back to the community that actually makes the platform we're, we're building on possible. And we're really confident that we're the first, but we're not going to be the only DAP to actually do this. And so we're really excited to build on EOS, and we're really excited to set this precedent. And thank you very much. So I'm going to back up the community yeah. and support the community just a bit there. <laughs> and, and we've never had that source or that form of of communication or clarification since then. So mm. just an FYI. Got it. Okay. I mean, Everpedia, I believe, is another company though, that has done more than than almost any company in the world uh, in terms of actually building and really uh, and, and utilizing EOS. Oh, absolutely. But yeah. at the same time, playing devil's advocate here, they received a $30 million investment and they're building on EOS mainnet from the start. I, I, I get that a lot of the investments being made are long term and their commitments to EOS IO. And then there's the potential for that uh, EOS IO chain, like uh, siloed chain or app chain of its own to connect to the mainnet if there's a reason to, but not all of them will necessarily. But the expectations early on were this team, it was kind of expected in the community that this is. Um, the precedent being set, and then it just kind of went quiet from there. So I think it's just been two years just building up since then, and that now we're here. And I, I'm, I really appreciate you coming on here to clarify some of this, because sure. we won't have to keep asking the same questions over <laughs> and over again. Right, yeah. right. So you, you mentioned there's there's a side letter agreement that doesn't necessarily mandate, but makes a commercially reasonable use of EOSIO at some point in the future. Um, how do you how does one determine down the road? Uh, their commercial efforts aren't reasonable and they're really not. And we can talk about some of the other ones down the road here in a bit, but they're not making commercially reasonable efforts after one year, two years, three years. Just curious, how, how do you reach that decision? I mean, it's ultimately like any standard, it's, it's going to have to be a judgment call to some extent uh, and a decision on to what to, to what extent you would want to push a company and say you're not being you know you're not meeting your your commitment to being commercially reasonable um, in light of where the you know the EOS ecosystem is today uh, I mean it's what what we've determined like does absolutely satisfy um, a, th that standard is for the company uh, to 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 make an effort and work with for example. Um, the internal resources that Block One has provided, uh, they, they have a division of their company. Now, this is enterprise blockchain stuff. This is not 
mean that. And again, sure, no, we really not... need to be clear. Like, right. Right. So, so like, expecting that to be clear, yeah. even the EOS community today uh, fully understands the the uh, clear delineation between EOS and EOS IO. We're, yeah. we're good, Sam. Yeah. Okay. Good. Not everything yeah. needs a public network either. We get we get that also. Yeah. Great. So so again, like for us, the the um, at a minimum, we ask our companies to to make a real um, effort to meet with uh, the the blockchain as a service team at at Block One. Um, dedicate some time, dedicate some resources to to, to you know exploring the opportunity. Um, we don't require them to, and and again, we, the, they may or may not. All of these companies may or may not ultimately you know utilize blockchain technology in what they're building. We say you know if they're going to, they're going to give uh, EOSIO the first shot, and they're gonna and and it's got to be at a at a you know a pretty reasonable uh, level of effort. Um, they're not required to be blockchain companies. They're required to be the best possible interactive content and technology companies that they can be. And you know, we, we believe by finding the best entrepreneurs in the world that are building businesses that have a very real shot of actually scaling because they're solving problems or they're building content and products that people want to use, that by focusing there, that then as long as as long as the use cases for, for blockchain actually materialize. Um, and, and some of them are starting to, and in some cases we'll see. Um, but, but our belief is back the best entrepreneurs, um, get a seat at the table for EOS IO so that if, and when, uh, they are, they're in a position where they're really focusing now on what do they want to do with respect to blockchain technology, EOS IO gets the first opportunity. And, and blockchain for the sake of blockchain is, is not a good decision to make and make an investment. So I yeah. agree with you there. However, uh, so you mentioned block one and interactions between the projects and block one up to a certain point. We, we appreciate that, uh, that clarity. On, on to the second, to a separate point, though, about maybe Galaxy Interactive's um, involvement and, and ongoing discussions with block one. Do you have any? And, and I'll, I'll, I'll tell you, it's, it's kind of a pointed question. I'll go ahead and give you the follow up here so you know where I'm going. Yeah. With it. We, we've reviewed the slide deck and I've reviewed a lot of inside the backgrounds of a lot of people that are in Galaxy Interactive. And there's some great backgrounds from from uh, finance, from public investing, from gaming, uh, from from finance, from all sorts. And even your your advising partners, et cetera. But I saw a major gap and that no one really had any clear experience previously with blockchain other than galaxy digital perhaps i guess you could say there's ancillary yeah. right right but i mean the point being is yeah you you never highlight anywhere in the slide deck uh there's two there's two there's two points to blockchain there's one point to blockchain there's one point to uh markets free markets that are that are controlled by a third party or independently controlled and then a few few blockchain references. So that's kind of the reason for that question. How close do you interact with block one? And what yeah. advice are you getting when reviewing these projects from a potential blockchain yeah. in this case? I mean, we 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 really the, the reason why uh, I mean, I guess I think what you're more referring to is do we have like blockchain engineers inside of Galaxy Interactive because we come from a blockchain background as a, you know, that is the Galaxy Digital piece of this. And so um, we don't, the, the slide deck you're reviewing um, it, we're, it is our very like 
real assessment of what the interactive landscape, I mean, that is an interactive focused slide deck. And it's about, you know, for us, blockchain is one of multiple technologies uh, at sort of in the infrastructure bucket that we think are incredibly important to the evolution of the gaming and interactive space. So just so we're clear on like where we think blockchain fits in that ecosystem. Um, our, our interaction with Block One, we benefit from uh, Block One's team, and this is Surge and Rob primarily, uh, and Greg. Um, they, they are far more expertise than we are or could ever be, and they have uh, it at their disposal um, far more resources on the blockchain side than we would put as venture investors um, on our team. There'd be no reason for us to do that. And so we think of Block One at, really as our outsourced um, technology partner with respect to all things blockchain. So, you know, we have we have a weekly call with Block One and with in their blockchain as a service team. And that's where we um, talk about our portfolio companies. They are the point of contact for our portfolio companies to meet with and talk with uh, about what they want to accomplish uh, with respect to blockchain implementation. Uh, and those guys are great. I mean, they, they that took a while to, to be developed. I mean, that, that division of block one, like any startup, I mean, you got to recognize with block one, they, they were building a business. They, they happened to raise a lot of money early, but they're, they were a startup company. And so it took them some time as well to put the, the, the policies and practices and teams and divisions in place and figure out how best to serve the community that way. And so as soon as they really were up and running with a division and the resources available to interface with portfolio companies, um, they've been incredible in terms of taking uh, a hands-on uh, approach and getting to know the portfolio companies and uh, and help them as uh, as the need arises. Great feedback. So I like that communication. Yeah. Thank you. And yeah. you we saw Mythical Games uh, became, with the blockchain as a service announcement out of Block One, yeah. the first client. Yeah. Um, are there ongoing conversations that are more than just introductory as far as things we might see in 2021 with more of your portfolio projects potentially yeah. using the blockchain as a service or the consulting arm of block one? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the all of our portfolio companies uh, at some point, not not always immediately, by the way, it's not something that, that we feel we need to push like investing in startups. They're the, the first priority and very rarely is the first and best use of our founders time that we invest in uh, going to be spend time with the blockchain as a service company. Although in some cases, if the business is a is a is like an infrastructure technology focused business itself that is actually um, you know, building, we have a company in our portfolio called Bitsky that, you know, when we invested in immediately as part of our investment, we had Bitsky that was previously working with Ethereum meet with and start spending time with and focus their efforts with the blockchain as a service team, because the whole point of that was to help integrate and pull what they were doing over to EOSIO and build and build some of it uh, out for the EOSIO uh, community. So that was one where prior to even making the investment, they were spending uh, quite a bit of time with the blockchain as a service team. In other instances, the idea is at some point after we invest, we want the companies to get to know the block, you know, block one, get to know the blockchain as a service group and start to treat them the same way we do, namely as their resource. Um, in some cases, for the portfolio companies, it'll be their, that, you know, the, the, the blockchain as a service group will be their sole um, resources. I mean, they're going to, obviously they all have some version of a CTO or most of them have some version of a CTO and, and, and tech team themselves to the extent the portfolio company is actually making, you know, building technology, but um, you know, they're going to decide in the case of mythical, uh, which is a great example. It made a lot of sense, certainly 
on the blockchain as a, as a service component of what Mythical needed built for them just to use Block One's division and not try to build that internally and in-house. Um, I think uh, to go back to your a direct answer to your question, at this point, the majority of the companies in our portfolio have uh, have had a conversation at least once with the blockchain as a service guys and under you know, you know and understand what's there and are assessing for themselves when it's going to make sense to start to, to to leverage them more. And then some are quite far along in regular conversations and attempting to, to actually do what Mythical's done. And you know it takes time, but Mythical was uh, not only it, not only is Mythical a paying client to Block One now as a blockchain as a service client, they were the they were the first as that division has been built out and. And Mythical sits in our portfolio as a company that um, will help a number of our other portfolio companies, we believe, actually um, expand into in, in, into their sort of uh, blockchain mandate. Because with what Mythical is building, there's a lot of that technology that is going to be relatively plug and play for our other portfolio companies. So the, the, the digital objects infrastructure that they've built, um, we hope that most of our portfolio companies are not going to attempt to recreate that themselves. And so by uh, availing themselves of that tech, I mean, the Mythical's business model is very much the sort of content creation piece and the engine piece. And the engine piece is where each company that utilizes that engine will be, uh, it, it, by extension, utilizing EOS IO software. Good. Does that make I sense? Like yeah, that. that's great. You mentioned yeah. Ethereum, uh, and we've been watching Ethereum fees skyrocket. Uh, at the same yeah. time, we see low and, and fast uh, transactions using using EOSIO. Uh, do you see upticks from maybe uh, Ethereum projects during timeframes where their I won't say their projects are dead in the water, but it makes it very hard to do gaming on blockchain in situations where a fee may cost anywhere from uh, five bucks to 50 bucks any given time. I'd, I'd even like to add to that real quick because yeah. one of the projects that really stood out and received a lot of negative sentiment from the EOS IO community was the gods unchained and there, you mentioned gaming engines and they have a, a mutable, a mutable engine. Immutable. Um, what what are the interactions like with projects like that? They already have their foundations in Ethereum. Like what what's their obviously a lot of projects are going to be multi-chain, and that might be what we're thinking is they have NFTs on Ethereum, they have NFTs on an EOSIO chain. Like what what are those interactions like? Because they're already a blockchain-based project, they're already on Ethereum. Um, what are the conversations like uh, as they get involved with an EOSIO yeah. related yeah. fund? This is one actually partly because I've done all the talking, but also because Richard is the closest with the immutable team and and uh, and very involved with them. Richard, you should take this one. Yeah, so I mean, I think the first thing that that would be productive would be um, to to step out of the zero sum mentality for a second. Of oh, if this game is on is on <laughs> Ethereum, like they're the enemy. <laughs> Let's figure yeah, out not, you know what what, what projects build on EOS because if if that's the mentality you're in. Basically, you're going to deal with a very small pie to divide um, is point one. And then point two is what makes a lot of what Immutable is doing interesting is uh, while, you know, they're focused right now on the broader question of scalability um, and dealing, you know, you're absolutely right in describing a lot of the pain points that game projects, digital artists, and many others are dealing with on Ethereum. Like every time gas spikes above 50 
um, you know, 50 way, like there's so much visceral pain <laughs> from all the artists who want to mint their NFTs and, uh, you know, it's, it's a real problem. And so, you know, there is a lot of developer willingness to explore alternative solutions. Um, side chains like Matic are taking a lot of mindshare right now. Um, and so are things like Immutable X. But that's like in the public blockchain space, right? Which is a market. But, you know, if you're thinking, where does this really go in the long run? You know, Immutable has bigger kind of ambitions um, in terms of, you know, doing kind of like what Mythical is doing in a sense. Um, you know, if you have a game that has hit that 100,000, you know, million user type of threshold, like none of these things work. They all break down, <laughs> right? And so, so for that type of user base, uh, if you're, you know, talking to, you know, one of the mainstream game publishers, they, they need something that has institutional grade quality in terms of scalability and all these things. And for, for that discussion in particular, I'd say we're in the first inning uh, in the sense that maybe we're not even in the first inning. The ballgame hasn't even started, frankly. Like uh, it started at a conceptual level, but in terms of like real uh, – commitments to adopt one chain or the other, like, you know, the most publishers aren't even thinking about that. And so I would argue, um, you know, if I were, if I were an Epic, you know, I would much rather deal and, and talk to someone like an immutable who's cut their teeth for years dealing with some of the most tricky issues around consensus and, and kind of on-chain uh, trading and all this stuff, than you know, someone who comes with an idea, um, and claims to like have solved all the problems, but hasn't really cut their teeth in, in, in solving any of the interesting problems. It, 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 I agree. It's not a zero sum game. Uh, it, it does, does sting a little bit though. Uh, when we, 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 the EOS investors, and I know it's a, a segment there, uh, put a lot of money uh, in, into block one and we see the EOS VC fund money goes to immutable. I understand. Uh, and then, uh, a year later, they mentioned that they're building with StarkX, and we see announcements of Ethereum. So it's just hard for the community to understand that that we invested in EOS, and we understand that it's EOS VC, and we don't see a clear connection with, with EOS. I understand it's not zero-sum, but it's it's what's put out there publicly. So forgive us a little bit, Richard. Uh, they, they get a little bit... Um, uh, concern and, and they do see it as a zero sum. We do see it. I'll put myself in that 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 segment. We do see it as a zero sum game time to time. And it's good input to realize that without maybe the EOS VC, many of these projects wouldn't get any exposure to EOS IO, and they wouldn't even see what is capable because they would dismiss it outright potentially uh, due to some of the negativity between the various blockchains. So I appreciate I think that. that's very good feedback and, yeah. you know, totally take that on board. Um, I think the, the last thing I'd say is, you know, one of the reasons, you know, I, I thought it was pretty important to have exposure to Immutable from a fund standpoint is, um, you know, at the time of our investment, they were far and away the leading blockchain game. And I think, you know, we're, we're of the mind that there's so many learnings by doing as opposed to talking about doing that it just wouldn't make any sense to be the leading interactive fund in gaming and blockchain gaming, but actually have zero learnings because we limited ourselves to a portion of the market that frankly just wasn't relevant uh, in terms of user scale. So um, I continue to believe that's the case, um, you know, and I think a lot of those learnings are going to translate 
into the solution that eventually does scale, um, whether that's EOS or otherwise. Yeah, and I, I mean, I, I think that's that's really well said. I and I would say, in particular, like the message for the community too is um, is is first and foremost, at least with with respect to us, if there are great credible founders that that are going to build something and um, and and you know have a business plan and an idea uh, for which they would um, succeed at raising money from from any venture investor. Uh, and they and they want to build and believe in building uh, with EOSIO. We would love to talk with them. I mean that that that's where you know if if you guys being as in the community as you are know these founders and communicate with them and believe that they're there. Like we're here. We certainly would would love to meet them. We 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 don't see in terms of our bar. Um, you know, we don't we don't see a lot of those people pitching businesses either. So sometimes the community that happens to own EOS token says, well, how, where, where is this where, and, and where's that? And we're not in the business of of building businesses ourselves and, and creating founding teams. We are in the business of backing great founders. I guess I, I know we're running low on time here. So why don't we talk about that of like what you look for in a project? Like if a, if anyone watching this, maybe they are those talented founders and they do think that they have a great product. What What is the next steps for them? Like how do they apply to you guys? And then what's the process like after like the initial uh, point of contact and pitch deck? Yeah, so, so our process um, with a few exceptions, I mean, if it's a relationship that either Richard and I or I, uh, you know, some pre-existing relationship and somebody that we know, and it comes very, very warm on the intro. We may do the initial conversation and, and, and meeting. We have an amazing team, uh, you know, working with us. Uh, and so generally speaking, um, we we are willing to and excited to look at almost everything. I mean, we, we, we'll look at 100 to 200 projects for each investment that we make. Um, and, and, and we've made a lot of investments. So you can imagine like what the volume is and how much, how much work, uh, in particular, the, the three, the, the three people on our, uh, deal team, you know, that, that work with me and Richard, uh, how much they're doing on a day-to-day -day basis. So it's, it, you know, in terms of process, submit an idea. Uh, our, our email is pretty available and people, you know, they can email me directly. They can email Richard directly. We will almost always route it to our deal team for an initial look and consideration. Uh, and usually a conversation if it gets to a level of, again, sufficient and qualified with respect to the team and the idea and the so on. It's got to be something that we that, that we're excited about. And, and again, for us anyway, um, we're under that interactive umbrella. Um, and, and then the process is. The deal team will look at it and think about it. We have, you know, practically constant communication as a team. I mean, it's something that that uh, in the pandemic we spend, you know, I think even more time talking and are able to be together more as a result of the sort of, you know, work from home situation. Uh, but the but the project goes to the deal team. Uh, if it gets a, a certain amount of attention from them, it gets escalated to us. Usually, that results in a, you know a follow on conversation at some point. Uh, a team-wide meeting with the founders, uh, further conversation. Um, if we're excited about it, we'll start to do more significant work and, and write up the opportunity internally uh, and decide whether or not to, uh, to to give the company a term sheet. Very much the, the, the process you'd expect with any yep. institutional venture business. Yeah. 
uh, we appreciate appreciate that. Just we're like Zach said, running out of time. Yeah, we're uh, out. we we uh, just briefly you talked about immutable, mythical games, loop land, high fidelity. Any other uh, project that you would like to highlight today um, with regards to to what you've invested in, what you're proud of? Any other any other investments you you want us to be aware of? I mean, I think our, our portfolio is fairly publicly available. And the truth is we're, we're proud of, uh, of just about every company in the portfolio and really excited about so many. Um, I, I mean, they, we, we are lucky to have a group of founders that we, we think are building amazing things. And, um, and, and we're optimistic long term, you know, it, it, it will benefit the, uh, the overall uh, interactive content world and, uh, and, and the ESIO community. So we, we know we have limited time. I have one more question. It's not really related to EOS or anything else, but it is uh, about Mike the Nova Bull. Tell us a funny, tell us an interesting story about a personal interaction or something Mike has done or some way you guys have interacted that is not public that will kind of, ever, that everyone will <laughs> no, kind of get a kick no out of. No chance. Has he ever but wrestled good, you? Has he, ever, try, Zach. has he ever offered to wrestle you at the office? Yes. Yeah. He's never wrestled at me at the office. Okay. <laughs> But if you guys are in New York and uh, you know, and, and you have an opportunity, I, I would say, uh, you know, like you, you should get to to know Mike too because he is he's a wonderful person and a lot of fun. <laughs> I feel well, smart, gentlemen. Uh, Richard, Sam, we, uh, Zach, and I greatly appreciate this. But I, I, yeah. I I'm certain that the uh, the EOS community will appreciate this transparency. Uh, we should have reached out to you directly earlier, uh, our fault there as well. So we appreciate you coming on today and hope that we can maintain a relationship, maybe, you know, make this an annual event or something like that. Uh, but thanks for joining us here today. You bet. Thanks for having us. Guys.